Hello, everybody. Welcome to the No Breaking Podcast. I'm here, thanks to the guys from GT Channel, with the wonderful Daijiro Yoshihara. Good morning. Dai, thank you, firstly, so much for taking the time, because I know that you're currently, as we've just been talking, off microphone in between rounds, but also soon to be pressed to go for round two over in Orlando. Yeah, yeah. But thanks for having me here. Uh, you know, I just got a couple of days here, and we're going to move into, uh, I mean, leave into Orlando for the next round. But yeah, it uh, just worked out. I'm in town right now. Yeah, so it's good. <laughs> so, Dai, I mean, we have a little talk, and obviously I'm familiar with you in regards to what you do um, as a, a driver. Mm-hmm. But can you tell the guys or tell the listeners what it is you consider yourself as in regards to what you do with driving? Uh, I will... You mean like overall what yeah. I do? Well, um, you know, I will consider myself professional driver mm-hmm. uh, because I do a lot of different type of driving, not just drifting. Um, but yeah, mainly um, my background is uh, professional drifter, but I do a uh, little wheel-to-wheel racing, um, time attack, and this year I'm going to do uh, Pikes Peak, and also some stunt driving stuff, you know, as, as much as if I have uh, opportunities. So yeah, um, I do pretty much everything um, regards to driving. And so how was it that you started uh, in regards to this career? What was it that started you off originally? What was it that made you like get into cars? Um, so I'm originally from Japan. I lived here in the States last 10 years. But I'm from Japan and you know I was just one of those uh, street drifter mm-hmm. back then, like over 20 years ago, to be honest. So tell us what you mean by street drifting then. Because obviously I'm a bit aware of what street drifting is because I've seen enough people delivering sushi and comics to understand <laughs> what that is. But what is it to you? Well, pretty much what it is, you know. Um, yeah, just uh, just a hobby. Um, got the car, and you know, back then it was more um, less strict. And then um, we just go to the mountain road, so nobody else is around. So it's not really, um, you know, dangerous in mm-hmm. a way. I mean, it is, but to try not to be um, bothering other like regular drivers or the cars. Um, yeah, just, just hobby, and I just did it for like a few years, and I didn't think it's gonna be into career afterwards. But yeah, I was just having a good time at the time. So, does anyone in your family did they do any driving before this, or were you like the first one to go and try and and emerge in this sort of? Was it in any family related to automotive careers or anything like that? Not really. My family is just a uh, you know regular family. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, my dad's into cars, and he actually worked at the car dealership in the in the past. But that's about it. He'd never done any racing, or he'd never really fixed up his car. But he just likes cars. Okay. So I always, when I was growing up, I was uh, surrounded by, I mean, yeah, the car in a way. It's not like he had a lot of cars, but he cared about the cars. So. And then, so what was it that was the first car that you had? Uh, I had a A86 Corolla. Okay. Yeah, kind of like a stereotype. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I'm assuming that was probably before what we consider nowadays they call the drift tax that's in, that involved with these cars of that era. Yeah. So, so it was probably a little bit cheaper than what it was to buy one now. Oh, yeah. Um, that was, you know, in D. That kind of made the car a little bit higher price at the mm-hmm. time. But that was right before Insurity came out, so I... I paid 200 bucks, and it's already ready to go and drift. Yeah, which isn't a bad price to pay these days, $200 oh. for a drift car. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you can get anything these days. And so how long were you driving and stroke drifting that car that, for then? Actually, I only, I only had that car for a little less than a year. Okay. 
because I feel like I got everything out of it. Okay. It was like a pretty much stock, but you know, suspension and uh, LSD and just you know, it was really good car to learn the basic of drift. And then I moved on to some other car, which was Nissan Rolo. Okay. It's not sell in any other country. Um, it's only domestic. Um, it's a Nissan sedan, but the uh, the car had the same engine as R32 Skyline. Okay. Yeah. And so was that, how was the tra the difference in power then between the two? So 86, maybe less than 100 hose, but uh, this Loro, I think I would say uh, around 200 horsepower, mm -hmm. which is a big difference. Yeah. Yeah, so that made a big difference, you know, for the driving wise, and I feel like I could go like a next level driving. Okay. Yeah. And then, so where did that lead you to then when you made the switch from the 86 to the Loro? Where did you go from, from there? From uh, from Lair, uh, Roll to other ones. Yeah, I had a few Nissans afterwards. I had a Nissan Sephiro, which is the same kind of thing, you know, sedan and same uh, RB20 uh, Skyline engine. Mm -hmm. And uh, next was uh, 240. I mean, 180SX. Yep. Um, and then S14. Okay. So yeah, kind of like the same type of you know 200 horsepower range, um, good for drift kind of cars. And then, so was this all while you're still in Japan? Yes, that was in Japan. So I'm talking like in like within five years, mm -hmm. 86 to all the way to 14 was like, yeah, three to five years. And then, so how did it come across that you made the switch here to move from Japan to the US and then end up competing or making your way into the first uh, drift event here? So, um, it's kind of a long story, but... Uh, We've I got was... time, Dad. We've got so much time. <laughs> cool, but I make it... You know, um, nice and short. The uh, so at the time I was driving the S4 team, and still just doing drifting as a hobby. Mm -hmm. And um, I just happened to have um, had a chance to meet the guy who does car shows in the states, who names Ken Miyoshi. Um, the the car show name uh, Import Show Off back then mm -hmm. it was really big in the states, and uh, he had a show in Japan, because uh, at the time. Uh, the sport compact scene was kind of big, getting bigger in in uh, Japan too. Okay. And the drifting and the sport compact that's kind of like a different um, scenes, but I like that kind of stuff too. I always look up the US cultures, you know. Um just for example, like I really like to have like low riders and stuff like that. So Who doesn't like low riders? Let's be honest. <laughs> True. Yeah, I still feel like I will get I should get one one of those cars in you know in my life at one point mm -hmm. but anyways um so basically i i'm always like looking at all those like other cultures as well and then this guy Kim yoshi came to japan and he's looking for some new things because at the time u.s like a drag race or car shows and he thinks he thought uh drifting will be the, the next thing that was back in 2002 okay um of course there's a underground drifting scene in the states but nobody did any event officially so he was looking kind of like um, what he can do in the states so i just met this guy through my other friend and then i took him to the the mountain road and show him what the drifting is mm -hmm. and of course you know he's really amazed you know he liked it and since then we had a good relationship with him and uh year later he actually did uh, his own drift event in los angeles um, around that time, um, he actually invited me to come over to the States, and 
soon after, actually, D1 Grand Prix uh, held their own U.S. event. And basically, that was the first event for me to get into drift. Um, he, he basically got me a car and then just uh, try out. So that was 2003 June. And yeah, that was like the, um, the event um, changed my life in a way. And uh, since then, um, you know, slowly drifting, getting bigger, and I just try to um, compete as much as I can the, at the time. And sorry, I'm making really show, but <laughs> 15 years later, I'm here in the States and making career out of it. Yeah, which is not a bad thing to be a driver for 15 years. Yeah, yeah, I guess. No, it's pretty good. So <clears throat> then when you had that first Grand Prix here yeah. in uh, Los Angeles, how was it? did you feel about going up and competing as opposed to actually just doing it for like fun and a hobby kind of thing? What was the difference in the change in like mentality? Uh, but you know, still even this, it's a competition. It's not nearly like nowadays professional drift, right? It's still grassroots. I mean, still drifting is considering, um, I mean, compared to like other motorsports, it's still more grassroots style, but nowadays it's a lot more, professional and kind of like uh, serious about it but at, at the time it was more like a casual so it wasn't a big transition for me and especially I didn't have to think about oh I have to win this and then I can get sponsors and all that stuff you know at the time more like just do it and see how it goes kind of thing so yeah it wasn't a too big of difference okay but at the time yeah like I never competed in, the Jap in Japan I never like, I, not, I wasn't really care about like competing against somebody else with drifting but the reason why I did it because that was some chance I feel like I got I can do something in the states yeah sure so you couldn't turn down that opportunity right yeah exactly and now so moving uh, so that would be 2000 2003 great so now we're 16 years later mm -hmm. what has obviously changed do you feel in that time in regards to drifting obviously it's become a lot more uh, one would say less grassroots and very much more professional in that time. Yeah, for sure. And one might say probably I'm guessing the horsepower of the cars has changed a little bit in that time as well. Right. Uh, yeah, it's been changing a lot of different things. Driver got a lot more skillful. A lot of good drivers out there. And yeah, as you said, uh, obviously biggest thing was the car. Back then, maybe a lot of car has maybe 250 to 350 horsepower at the most. But nowadays, everybody has 1,000 or over 1,000 horsepower. Um, so that means the setup of the car, you know, suspension and everything is totally different. Um, and yeah, of course, you know, you have to spend kind of more it, money. It gets a little bit more expensive. Yeah. Who would have thought, right? More, more <laughs> higher horsepower, it costs more money. Yeah, yeah. I thought uh, more than 500 horse doesn't do anything at the time because... I thought the car would just spins out. Yep. I mean, the, the bar and the tires. But, you know, everybody set it up the car so much more grippy. Yep. Um, but we use the power to overcome that setup. So that's how we do it. So actually, a lot of people think drift car these days are, um, I mean, set up for drift. It is. But I think most of those cars, if you take, uh, let's say, like more like a slick tire or something and do some time attack or something, I think the car would do really fast time. Yeah? Yeah. So we don't set up the car to make it easier to slide. 
So you set it up for essentially as much group as possible. Yeah. So is that so you can... Because I know obviously as well from my experience with it, you'd probably be wanting more angle as well. Right. And so obviously that's probably changed over time as well with that how too. much the steering geometry, mm-hmm. how much you can push that out in regards to the angle of the, the where the front wheels are, right? Right. Yeah. So that's another thing. Yeah, we, we are adding more steering angle to, to get more drift angle. So that's another thing, but... Um, as far as just suspension setup, um, yeah, the car is a lot of grip because everybody else getting more faster and faster. So you know, everybody try to keep up each other. Mm-hmm. So in in the end, the car gets grippier, so that we have to add more power. So that's why now there's drifting. Everybody has thousand horsepower. Yeah, it's like a thousand horsepower is <laughs> like basic level, right? And yeah. If, you, if you're in like under that, it's like you're like just like you say grassroots almost like. Uh, <laughs> tier two level driver right and then also the tires too i mean we still keep using the same category the street tire Mm -hmm. it has to be dot approved but um yeah all the tire manufacturers releasing a lot more grippy tires in a way so even though like my falcon tire you know rt615 i think it's almost more uh more grip than like uh, our compound back in the days. Yeah. So that's another change, you know? And then I'd also imagine not only that, but then you've got the, the other technology that help with the power. So you've got the cooling as well. I'm assuming things like that have changed. So you're able True. to get much things cooler down there so you mm-hmm. can make the cars more reliable, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. Because your cars, well, they only run for a short time when they do run. There's a lot of stress on that engine for that time and it's repeated stress over the course of the weekend, right? Right. Yeah, cooling is always important too. But as you mentioned, we only do like 30 to 60 seconds per run and we get to rest. So uh, not as important as other motorsports, I would say, because mm-hmm. we don't keep going like for 10 minutes, 20 minutes. Yeah. But still, yeah. And then, however, I did have, always have one question for uh, drift drivers, I will say. If you didn't have a preference for horsepower, where do you think is like the sweet spot to be driving a car? Do you, because mm. I've talked to other drivers and they say professional ones, they say, well, my, my thousand horsepower drift car professional, while it's set up great, it's very aggressive, it's difficult to drive, it's mm-hmm. not as enjoyable as driving my <laughs> missile car, say, that's like 250, 300 horsepower, that's right. much more pleasant to drive than right. Oh, that's so, what you mean. Yeah. So have you got, do you think there's a, a spot where you prefer, where it's like, this is competition, I understand they have to drive at this level, mm-hmm. and then this is what I much more enjoy for example where it's more fun with the friends kind of thing i would say two to three hundred yep um i'm thinking even like tire wear and stuff like that too because when you're just driving for fun you don't want to keep changing tire you want to keep driving right yeah so if you have like even like 500 horsepower it burns tires quick yeah but if you have like only two to three hundred you can stay on the gas and it doesn't make that much Smoke, it might, might not look great, but you can just enjoy and then keep going, keep driving. And I guess also as well as you don't have to, like you said, you don't have to be changing the tires, which means you can do more runs. Yeah. And tires are not particularly cheap when you're going through them, right? <laughs> yeah. So it gives you more runs. So then if we talk also about you don't just do the uh, drift racing, you compete in other events, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. the Time Attack, uh, the Track Events, and now Pikes Peak. So which one should we talk about first? Should we talk about your endurance driving? Sure. Yeah. How did how did you get into that then? What where was the how did that come along? Um, I'm really good friend with you know Mike Kujima, who's mm-hmm. my uh, engineer for the last almost ten years. Mm-hmm. 
and his his background is coming from ra- road racing or time attack or basically from grip driving mm-hmm. and I'm from drift driving but you know of course I always wanted to do more stuff more than drifting so I think back in 2009 around that time like 10 years ago um, I entered my first uh, time attack event so that's my uh, first grip driving career I guess and of course Mike keeps helping me you know he told me how to set up the car but uh, even like how to drive because it's totally di- different mentality, right? Because drifting is making slide and grip is trying not to slide. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's just the car control. Mm-hmm. So it's the same skill, but it, you have to know how to use that skill. So he taught me a lot how to drive, driving in grip. Um, so that was first, sorry, so I guess I'm talking about um, time attack first. But soon after, I had an um, opportunity to drive for the sprint sports and they do a lot of uh, a lot of uh, endurance racing so i've done uh, thunder hill 25 hours and also i did uh in japan it's called uh, super taiku series um i did eight hours of fuji speedway so that was a really good opportunity so yeah so if we took cover the the time attack first to cover mm-hmm. one before we get to the endurance racing so yeah um time attack is from what i know is very briefly is where you get a set period of time in which you have to only you get to do one lap yeah. at speed to get the quickest time. Yes. Right? Is that it's sort of it? Pretty basically? much. It's like a qualifying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how difficult is it then to do that kind of racing? Because cool. obviously you don't get much time on the track. Mm-hmm. And then there's a the pressure like, go now, 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 and you can't make any mistakes. Right. Uh, you're talking about, yeah. I don't know how to compare, but... Uh, yeah, the time attack is uh, w- basically, let's say you have a one day, but you have to have only one fastest wrap, which uh, depending on the car setup, but uh, if as your car is more higher level, you usually only have like a one or two laps to get the best out of it because your tire will only have like a sweet time for like two, three laps. So you have to nail the best lap in that time. So for that standpoint, it's really tough. It's kind of like a drifting too, right? Like in a yeah. way, um, you know, drifting, if you have one mistake, your day's over. It's always knocked down kind of thing. So, but still, time attack, uh, it's, a, you know, you lap over lap on the track. So I, I wouldn't say easier, but it's um, coming from drifting, qualifying, it's a little bit more forgiving. Okay. Yeah. I think uh, a lot of people talk about it too. Uh, you know, like Orido Taniguchi. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of uh, the real road, road racing too, right? But they always say still most um, t- tough, hard thing is drifting because you have to nail <laughs> one shot. Yeah. And then there's no room for mistake. And you've made a mistake, you, your day is done. So mentality-wise, I think drifting is even, yeah, nowadays it's it's hard. And then so, but if we still talk about, uh, well, talking about both of them, I should say, even, and even uh, the endurance racing, what is it like when you're working with a team? I mean, what's the input between you and, say, your engineer that you work with and the team that's setting the car up? I mean, how does that relationship work that makes you feel more comfortable to compete with, if that makes sense? Uh, 
I think it in a way it's the same thing. It's just a different. We have different goal, right? And one easy thing, easier thing compared to drifting is drifting is a lot about feeling, mm-hmm. because it's not a lap time, right? So you can't really see. Maybe for this guy, this setup worked better for this guy, right? But um, time attack or um, the the road racing, it's it's purely you know the time. So even though if I don't give a good feedback, they can see the data, they can see the time. Oh, this is clearly working better. You know, they can check the tire temp, and I mean, you know, of course I will give them feedback, but um, it's it's more clear for them to see the data. So in a way, I think it's easier for them to figure what the best setup is. Okay. Yeah. So they're, for example, on the endurance racing and the time attack, they're giving you tips or potentially giving you instructions after you give your feedback kind of thing so it's a yeah. harmony, harmonious would say relationship maybe how well you work together like as a team what do you mean so um, they're giving you the feedback from the data that they're seeing and then you're giving them the feel the feedback from how you'll feel while driving the car kind of thing right? yeah yeah so um, what is it uh, what are the where have you been doing some of the time attack events which tracks have you raced at uh, mainly at the bottom below. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the everybody's. Uh, I don't know, like North America is like the biggest time attack track, I guess. Yeah. Uh, have you got any desire to go over and do time attack anywhere else in the world? Yeah, if I have a chance, I would like to do anywhere else too. But again, you know, as you go higher spec, it, it's not a cheap thing too, right? Yeah. So yeah. It's really hard to keep up with, like you know unlimited class kind of thing because those cars get a little bit extreme as well one might yeah. say with their, their downforce efforts yep. and things like that so at the end of the day you know it's kind of like a drag racing too mm-hmm. like if you want to go faster you kind of have to have certain things and that'll cost some stuff yeah know? everything comes down to money yeah and if we had lots of money then it'd be great but <laughs> sometimes it's a little bit more difficult yeah so then if we talk about the endurance racing what's uh how is it do you find doing endurance racing because obviously you're driving with someone else as a partner right yeah or maybe two is it two or three people in certain events that you would be working with or four you mean the drivers yeah yes yeah depending on the event um but yeah usually three to four drivers so how does that work in regards to say simple things like setting up a car do you all have to sort of semi-agree on what the car is if they can do the setup how does that work how does it work in that regard it kind of depends who you drive with okay but uh, in the in, in the past when i drive with sprint sports they had a like a really uh big time famous race car drivers from japan mm-hmm. um so they know everything like I'm just uh, kind of like uh, you know little guy trying to figure it out so you're just the good looking guy that they come to have on there that's <laughs> no. the, that provides all the great personality no it's more like I was just a rookie okay so I of course I let them do whatever they want and yeah and that worked out really and then well. you put down the fastest laps and you'd be like not really they're always like maybe you know little things faster but also um, um, endurance racing is not about fastest time like how you kind of like easy on the equipment right so you kind of have to have yeah like you can't drive like 10 tenths you have to be like yeah like 90 percent mm-hmm. or even less but you have to have a consistent consistent lap throughout your stint and not break anything yeah 
So, yeah. Because if another... you're breaking things, right, you're spending time in the pits. Yeah. With someone shouting at you, and you'd much rather be out there lapping right. and not having anyone shout at you, right? <laughs> so then where have you been to do the endurance? You said Japan and here at uh, Thunderhill? Yeah, that's pretty much it. And then uh, last couple of years, I'm uh, lucky enough to have the opportunity to drive Lamborghini Super Trofeo Series. Mm-hmm. I don't, yeah, that, that's not an endurance actually. That's more like a sprint. Yeah, because yeah. aren't those races are like an hour, give or take? It's uh, like a 15 minutes. Okay. So, yeah, I'm sorry, that's not endurance. No, that's, that's yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that'd be, if you had 15 minutes endurance, that's a very short endurance, especially <laughs> to swap for four drivers. It's not much true, driving time. True. So, how do you find then driving the, the Lamborghini Super Trofeo compared to, say, some of the other cars that you're driving? Um, it's, uh, it's, uh, I feel like it's a real race car. I mean, okay. other cars are real race car too, but it's, uh, you know, factory race car right and i think uh, for a uh, spec series i think the car is one of the fastest compared to other uh spec cars mm-hmm. like a ferrari or porsches i think super trophy should be the fastest yeah so, i mean i was lucky enough to be a passenger in, oh, a, you have. in a 2000 would have been a 2014 mm-hmm. uh where it was the guiado Oh, okay, so the older one. Yeah. Okay. How did how did you like it? So it was um, in uh, the thermal club at, mm. at Palm Springs where we did the laps there. It was. I will say this. I think it was the fastest car that I've been in on a oh. racetrack. So and it wasn't so much this because obviously it, all race cars seem fast, but it was the speed in which they were able to get on the brakes made mm-hmm. the biggest difference when it was really the felt the real violence which pushed you pushed you forward yeah. when you're like in the harness yeah yeah when you feel it feel it and <laughs> it was like yeah it was like that's fast fast right because obviously I mean not well race cars are generally fast it's you never the straights are. Uh, sometimes you're not very long straight so you might only get to 140 miles an hour so 150 yeah. but it rel- felt really like quick quick that makes yeah. sense yeah so yeah so yeah it's it's fast and uh, yeah sometimes or a lot of times still scares me <laughs> in a way you know but yeah it's very fun to drive but then do you think it's it's humorous because I'm assuming those cars, are those cars like 600 horsepower, give or take? Around that, yeah. So it's funny when you think that your Subaru that you do the drift racing has almost twice <laughs> the horsepower. If you wanted, I guess, if you wanted to pump the... Right. Uh, but the biggest difference is the tire. Oh, no. no, I'm Yeah, the slick tire versus you know street tire. Yeah. And I would say the biggest, biggest thing is we go sideways. Yeah. So once it's sideways, it's not hard for us mm-hmm. because so used to, right? For like other cars, Lamborghini, you always try to be on the edge. Mm-hmm. You cannot get sideways, but you kind of drive on the edge, right? So that's the sketchy feeling. Yeah, yeah. So, for for example, if I set up my drift car with the slick tire and drive not to go sideways, I think that'll be the scariest thing ever. Mm-hmm. You know? Have you ever thought about doing that? I would like to try at one point. Yeah, maybe I'd... Falcon can give you some slicks and you can give it a go. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. Um, I guess I'd always be scared, though, of especially driving the Lamborghinis. If you ever had to pay for yourself and you had to bump someone else in those carbon fiber bits, I'm guessing probably get expensive very, very quickly. I, I yeah, I think so. I'm, you know, I'm luckily I just drive for someone else. Yeah, and this guy's paying for everything. So. <laughs> but I heard, you know, last race he actually hit somebody else, and 
yeah, I have to change some, you know, body panels and he cost him like 50 grand or something like that. I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad it's you, not me. I'll, I'll have my $200 yeah. AE86 and I'll be happy with that. <laughs> exactly. So then what about when you said you talk about the, the stunt driving that you do? How does that sort of fit into it? Because I, I understand that some stunt drivers who we've had mm-hmm. on the show uh, have been able to tell us some of the things they've done and some of the things they can't tell us who they've been doing oh. it for. Because they're very top secret and the things they okay. say. But how how is it doing stunt driving? What do you enjoy about it? I should say that. I, Aside actually, from the big checks that they give you at the end. Well, that's one of the biggest factor. But <laughs> but yeah, um, it's uh, I I really enjoy doing that kind of stuff. But uh, I don't really get the opportunity that often. Maybe okay. a few times a year because there is a full time you know Hollywood stunt drivers out there. You know, mm-hmm. and then I I know many of them like Reese Millen, Tanner is actually one of them. Um, yeah, a few like well-known guys too. But um, yeah, as much uh, whenever I have a chance, you know, if they can do it or something, I get the job. Um, but biggest thing is, you know, just last fifteen years I've been just competing. That's yeah. my job. But stunt driving uh, is making something right. I mean, driving, but it's not competing. And then it's, it's basically I'm working for someone to to make something. Mm-hmm. Which is the the filming? Yeah, art. One might say. Yeah. Yeah. So I know it's kind of strange to say, but after the job, you know, after you know, this is it. It's crank up, and I feel like I did something. Yeah. You know, I mean, it must be fun being able to like if you worked on like a an advertisement or a TV show or a movie, seeing yeah, it. Yeah, usually like a TV commercial. Yeah, or see something it. Like that. So see it on like TV, seeing you said that's. <laughs> that it must too. be fun yeah yeah like feel like I product something like I yeah you know like cause going ra- racing you know of course if I win I feel great but if I lose what did I do for this weekend you know like I I spent this much time but you know I didn't do well yeah you know there's that kind of weekend here and there too right of course but uh, yeah commercial stuff it's always production production you know you you did something, you achieved something. Mm-hmm. I feel like, um, but anyways, so that's good, great. You know, that's the, and, the part I like about. And they give you the catered food is also fun as well. Oh yeah, their food usually really good. good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They treat everybody really well. Yeah, because uh, unless you're like the intern getting shouted at, but then <laughs> I guess. if you're the talent, you're fine. <laughs> but the yeah, but yeah, the um, you know driving skill wise. Um, they do a lot of sliding because that's, you know, that's the car looks emotional. Mm-hmm. So I guess our drifting skill get rewarded. That's why a lot of people, I'm sure a lot of FD drivers have done some stunt driving stuff uh, because it's so useful. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I enjoy that too. Like I can finally use this skill to make something, you know, not just competing. And then, so speaking of competing, then if we talk to about this show, um, how did the Pikes Peak come about? How did that sort of fall into your lap, kind of thing? Um, so actually, uh, this Pikes Peak deal um, is supported by Ineos Oil, who is uh, my one of the greatest uh, sponsor last few years. And then uh, I, uh, the car I'm gonna drive with is uh, Evasive Motorsports. Um, it, they're eighty six. So they've been actually competing in Pikes Peak in the past. Um, 
so it was kind of like a um, naturally happened like I me and Ineos wanted to do Pikes Peak and then they had a car that possibly to compete so that's kind of how it worked and then have you have you lapped Pikes Peak at all then have you gone up there nope okay <laughs> well I've been there one time to just to watch but I've never competed so how you what's the preparations that you're doing does that play, mean you're playing a lot of Gran Turismo or whatever to get the lap time in there I like wish that? I can play Gran Turismo but they don't have uh, the they don't have Pikes Peak <laughs> oh even though they're major what? sponsor yep. I know they're working on it so but yeah I do some other sim um, it's alright you can name it it's fine yeah yeah <laughs> um, yeah that and uh, uh, they're watching a lot of Inker videos so kind of like overlap mm -hmm. try to remember the course that's I think the one of the most important thing I can prepare have you talked to anyone else about it as well other drivers in regards to how yeah, they prepare yeah so I'm good friend with Rhys Millen mm -hmm. and you know as you know he's him or him, his family is super famous for that thing, yeah, right? I think there's still competition between him and his father as who was the uh, fastest one. Up. <laughs> Is that right? I think so. <laughs> but yeah, so Reese gave me a lot of good tips. I also, I also might have heard that uh, Rod doesn't let Reese drive his Tacoma. Oh, because he says that's his car to drive up Pikes. When, oh, he, when they do he it, he doesn't want it to. So yeah, so when they have the <laughs> the the Leadfoot Festival in New Zealand, right? Rod only gets oh, to drive okay. the Tacoma. And Reese has Reese isn't allowed to. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so maybe Reese could tell me otherwise, and he becomes to be a podcast guest. I keep trying, but he hasn't said yes. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so what did Reese say then in regards to it? What has his tips been? Well, there's a lot of stuff, but the main thing is biggest thing that I kind of didn't know until I talked to him is a lot of people think best time at that car will do the best at Pikes. Because, you know, nowadays it's all paved. Mm -hmm. It's not uh, the dirt or anything anymore. But it's not right. Because it's still the streets, right? Mm -hmm. So the the grip level is not really close to, like, the, the, the race, race car track, I mean. So it's very slippery. So you have to constantly find the traction. And, you know, the rolls are bumpy and curvy. And so basically it's... It's still kind of like uh, the rally in a way. Yeah. So your car needs to set it up more like, you know, maximum grip, which a lot more suspension trouble. And also, um, I think the, uh, what, what am I going to say? So suspensions and the power band. Yeah. A lot of people bring the car with like a thousand horsepower and kind of like a short power band. Mm -hmm. But that's going to be hard for you to kind of manage it the power right so you want to have less horsepower but a lot more power band so you can kind of squeeze the gas and you know will that have anything to do in i guess with the altitude change where you're constantly going up i think that too but reese said he doesn't really set up the car just because for the uh the altitude okay it just lose power as you go higher but yeah yeah it is what it is because he the last one he did was his wasn't his sort of drift car so grip car that he had his Hyundai that he had set up there that he, he did yeah Genesis yeah and he had the, the the record time until last year and finally someone beat but it was uh, the Porsche GT3 R mm -hmm. which is factory race car right yeah but yeah so he still kept it for like last seven years with this street spec GT 
Genesis. Yeah, which isn't bad, really. Yeah. Shout out to, to Reese. But And then if we talk about your uh, Formula D season. Yeah. Um, since you're in between rounds, you have obviously had your first round here in LA at Long Beach, mm-hmm. where maybe it didn't go quite as well as you hoped. Yeah. So talk about my... Yeah. Um, so this year, coming into this year, we changed little stuff. Uh, I mean, this year is number six. Yeah, year number six uh, using the same BRZ. Mm-hmm. So it took us a little too long, but uh, the you know, last couple of years, finally, cars working really well. But we even made little change to make it even better, and it worked. And I, f- I really like the way car drives now. And, and then, you know, we qualify uh, fourth place with the, the, the points 97 was great. I felt really good going to the main event, but... Um, I just made a little stupid mistake, driving mistake, and I hit the wall, and my my day was over at top 16, uh, going up against Justin. So ended up uh, ninth place. Um, so yeah, it wasn't it wasn't the greatest result wise, but I felt really good with the car. So I think uh, from now on, you know, we're going to uh, Orlando this week, and yeah, I think uh, we can do well this year. Well, that's fantastic to hear. And who are the sponsors that you're working with down on the Formula Drift side? Uh, so main sponsor for my drift program is Town 14 Distribution. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've been a big sub-supporter last six years. And uh, Ineos Oil and Falcon Tire, you know, they've been the biggest supporter for the last 10 years as well. Um, and, you know, I have a lot of other, other companies I can name on, but those, those three companies are the the main sponsors certainly and then before we wrap up i wanted to talk about is it the 2011 season which might have been your most successful season oh, yeah yeah i won the championship in 2011 yeah it's crazy it's been eight years yeah time flies yeah <laughs> and that's like it'd be like eight years from when you first started then to 2011 right exactly. so i think it's about time you you win again i think it makes sense right you're right wow i never thought about it so it's been eight years since I won the championship. Well, yeah. So it's a, it's about time. <laughs> yeah, I think so. No, I mean you're obviously one of the the nicest. Everyone uh, will say this. You're one of the nicest drift drivers out there. Oh yeah, I think so. <laughs> but all the drift drivers seem very very nice. I will say that. They're all the ones I've had the chance y- to meet. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's a nice guy. Yeah, except yeah. when the racetrack, I guess. When yeah, it, when, when the... nice doesn't do anything. Yeah, at the track, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, and then if anyone's wanting to follow you on the social media, where's the best place to find you on social media? Uh, I've been always active uh, on Instagram, mm-hmm. uh, Dai Yoshihara. That's it, and uh, Facebook sometimes. But that's pretty much it these days. Fantastic. Well, yeah. Dai, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. I uh, really enjoyed it. And like I said, Kiwi and I wish you all the best for the remainder of your season. Looking forward Thank to seeing you in Formula Drift and seeing how you go at Pikes Peak and all your endurance racing as well. Thank you so much. Thank thanks you. for having me. And thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.